remember as a child going to those things that I call well baby checkups. I still call them well baby checkups. Even though I don't have babies, I have children, I still call them well baby checkups because there's the appointments that you make. You have to go to the doctor around the time of your birthday every year just to kind of get checked out and make sure everything's going right. And any time a parent takes a child to a doctor's appointment for a well baby checkup or for an earache or a stomach ache or a broken toe, they all ask the same question the whole way to the car. Do you know what it is? Do I have to get a shot? I don't want to get a shot. Do I think to give me a shot, mom, please? I don't want to take a shot. Is this a shot year? It doesn't matter. That's the question in the car ride, the whole way to the doctor's office. And the parent always goes, I don't know if you need a shot. That's why we're going to the doctor. I remember as a child, I don't remember how old I was, but I remember vividly being at my well baby checkup and I was sitting on that bench, you know, with the long, white, crinkly paper they have. And I was sitting on that thing and I was waiting for the doctor and I was going crinkle, crinkle, crinkle on the paper. And I remember my mom going, don't mess the paper up, Marion. Like, why? What's that? Okay. All right. I won't mess the paper up. And I remember the doctor coming in and he's like, oh, so nice. How are you doing? And the whole time he's talking to me, he's laying four syringes right next to me. And he notices the panic on my face. No. And he goes, oh, don't be nervous. This is nothing. These are just some vaccinations. And Marion, just go to your happy place. I'm like, what's a happy place? This is not it. And so he said, just follow my lead. Together, we're going to go to the happiest place in the world, Disney. So he said, close your eyes. And I did. And he said, oh, don't you see Cinderella's castle? Isn't it beautiful? Oh, and don't you see Mickey Mouse coming to hold your hand? And oh my goodness, don't you see Minnie Mouse? And by the end of it, he has taken me on all the teacup rides and I've met all the characters. And as he's doing this happy place, he's giving me vaccination after shot after shot. I'm not sure if Disney's my happy place or not. I was reminded of that though, just recently. I was reminded of that memory because I was in the car ride going to another type of vaccination. I'm in the car, and I'm having an argument with myself. I'm going, am I going to get a shot? Do I have to get a shot? Do I really need a shot today? I'm in the car. I'm an adult going to the place where I made an appointment specifically to get a shot. And I am in the car going, do I really have to get a shot today? I walk into the pharmacy wonderfully, so nice. They said, just go to cubby number one. So I go to cubby number one and I sit down and this very nice nurse comes and she says, hi, I'm Nancy. And she puts the syringe right next to me. And so I immediately tune her out and go to my happy place. And very quickly, I'm in my beach chair and I can feel the sun on my face. I can feel my feet sinking deeper into the sand as the water comes over me. And all of a sudden, in my happy place, I hear this voice, ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. I'm like, oh, yes, I'm ready, Nancy. I'm ready for my vaccine now. She said, oh, no, I gave it to you quite some time ago. (laughs) I'm like, oh, well, 
I know I need to stay here for a few minutes to make sure I don't have a reaction. I'm okay, so I'll just stay here. And she said, oh, no, you've been here for quite some time. You're fine. She said, in fact, we kind of need you to leave. There's a line, so if you could just go. I was loving my happy place. As a child, we are trained to have these happy places. We're trained to use our imagination and go somewhere to help us have a mental escape so we don't have to be in the reality in front of us. And so we have been trained to go to these happy places when we are preparing for surgery or undergoing a treatment or having a trauma or something's happening and we need an escape. Everybody has a happy place. And so if I ask you today what your happy place is, I don't want you to go there. I want you to be present with me. But if you were to tell me where your happy place is, what would it be? Where would you go? Disney, you would go to Disney. I like that. Uh, six Main, flags Main event, Six Flags Over Georgia. Those are good. Where else would you go mentally? Anybody? Beach. That's my girl. Fishing. Did I hear fishing? Michigan. That's a good one. Michigan. That's a nice one. I'll go to Michigan. That's good. Anybody else? Where? Soccer. I like it. Nice. Florida. Wow. These are a lot of places and states. Softball. Top golf. Got it. Good. <laughs> I love that too. How about barren wasteland? Anybody? Anybody's happy place of barren wasteland? No? No? All right. Well, for one group of people, their happy place became a barren wasteland, a place in the wilderness. There was a group of people. Actually, it's a congregation and they found themselves under the oppressive conditions of a political figure. And all of a sudden, they were in type of a pandemic because the food supply changed, their work changed, and their entire lives changed. And they found huge divisions politically, culturally, and racially. And they did what people do when they're oppressed and when they can't control their situation. They get mad and they complain. And so this group of people, they went to their leader, because every group of people have a leader. They went to their leaders, and they say, take us away from this place. Take us from our reality and put us in a new happy place. And the leader said, pray with me to our Lord to make it so. And they did. This congregation, with the help of their leaders, they prayed to God and said, give us a new and happier place. And this group of people received just that. And when they got to this new happy place, it was barren with no food and no drink. Doesn't that just sound warm and cozy and happy? No. And so you know what the people did then? They did what the kids do in the car when you take them to a doctor or any other errand. They complained and they got frustrated. <laughs> the group of people, the congregation, they're known as the Israelites. 
The leaders are Moses and Aaron, and the political oppressor was the Pharaoh of Egypt. And this whole story is caught in the book of Exodus, chapter 16. And we will read a portion of that together. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread, and then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening, quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine, flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. And when the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. In Exodus, there are patterns, there are themes. And it's always the same. It's testing, temptation, and judgment. And they're always met with liberation, community, and provision. And what Exodus tries to tell us is that no matter the wilderness, no matter the barrenness, No matter the place you are in, it is God and God alone who can provide. Your provision comes from the Lord. And at times, it literally might look like quail. Those are birds. That's meat falling from the heavens. And a layer of dew in the morning becoming manna. It's only in our wildest imaginations that we can even picture this. In fact, if you were to read the entire book of Exodus, you need a very vivid imagination. If you were to read any of our biblical stories, you need a very vivid imagination for any of it to make sense. Because in our Old Testament, when people needed safety the waters literally divided. And when people needed food, meat rained down from the heavens and dew became bread. And when that same group of people needed their own political leader, a child, a little boy still living in his imaginary world was anointed king. And in the New Testament, when people needed each other, A gust of wind and a flame of fire came and made the church. And when people needed healing, a community got together and they broke open a roof and very gently brought a friend down. And when people needed forgiveness, a man was raised from the dead. And still now, unbelievable things are happening. Only in our wildest imaginations are these things happening, like People are sitting in church pews next to people who don't look like them, vote the same way, or agree with anything. Oh, can you imagine? 
Right now, we are being called to help all people have food and drink. And there are people who think they're playing the system or they don't think they have time or they don't like those people. Can you imagine? And an entire church institution spent years causing great harm and hurt to groups of people and individuals. And it's our responsibility now to start to bring healing to those divides. Can you imagine? And believing that water can incorporate us into God's family and bread can be a symbol of grace. It is only in our wildest imaginations that any of it can make sense. Faith mandates imagination. Faith mandates that we are able to see things that others cannot. Faith mandates that we are able to be creative with whatever God has given us in front of us. And faith mandates that we know God's provision can carry us all. And faith mandates that we believe that God is in every place and every image and in every conversation. Essentially, faith is a series of an imaginative acts. I learned about imaginative faith from one of my cousins, Amanda. She used to be four years old. She's not anymore, but she used to be. And as a four-year-old, this sweet four-year-old, she had a routine every single night. And every night, her mother, my cousin, would put her to bed with a bedtime story. Does anybody else have that routine that your mom or your dad reads you a story when you go to bed? That was her routine, too. And this one particular night, my cousin was having a hard time because the mom cousin was having to navigate a four-year-old's bedtime routine at the same time of a first grader's first homework assignment. And if you've ever been in that situation, you're a little pulled and you're torn. And so the mom went to the four-year-old and said, look, I can't read you your bedtime story tonight. I'm going to need you to be a big girl and just go to bed. I'm going to tuck you in. You're going to be great. And Amanda got so mad, she just cried and cried and didn't understand. She's like, what do you mean? You have to tell me goodnight and read me a story. She was so sad. And so Amanda said, no, or Amanda, Carla said, no, I'm sorry, I can't. You have to go to bed. And so Amanda went to bed and she shut her door, very upset. And after Carla made sure that the first grader homework got done in a reasonable amount of time, she went to go check on four-year-old Amanda. And right as she was about to open up that door, she could hear voices. So she put her ear up to the door, and she heard Amanda talking. She heard this. I know she needs to help Nathan, but come on. She could read me a story, Lord. But God, you know she has time for what? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not even one story that, okay, uh-huh. Yes. Okay, I understand. Mm-hmm. Okay, God. Yeah. Well, is there anybody else I can talk to up there? 
My cousin was so afraid to open up the door because she knew her daughter was speaking to God on her bed, and she just wasn't sure she was ready to meet the Lord face to face. Can you imagine having that type of imaginative faith where every single conversation you have, somebody thinks they are eye to eye with God? Can you imagine having that type of imaginative faith that they think they can see God through every one of your actions? Can you imagine having the kind of faith where you know God's provision and love are raining down from the heavens and coming up from the earth? Wouldn't it be sad if one day Lydia or Ellie or Amanda stopped using their imaginations? Wouldn't it be sad if one day we were too mature or too experienced or too adult to use our imaginative faith acts? Because ultimately, we are that congregation of Israelites. And we've spent time in a place of pandemic and we are on another side in a new happy place (laughs) and in our new wilderness of happy place there are no more mask mandates it's more relaxed rules of socially distanced and no more temperature checks and we have vaccines and we're allowing you to control all of that at your own comfort level without judgment but also in our new happy place we spent the last year being keenly aware of political, cultural, and racial divisions. And the story of Exodus tells us a congregation that God provided manna and quail equally for all people. And we're the kids in the car fighting about it. I want to share with you a story. It's a story that Fred Craddock wrote, if you know Fred Craddock. And this is what he says. I had a dream once, although the dream was actually like my imagination taking over. And in this vision, He had been invited by God to sleep in God's house overnight. And Fred says, the accommodations were impeccable. Angels were singing. The bed was the softest I had ever slept on. And the pillow puffed to perfection, not too puffy and not too flat. And the temperature was just right. And everything seemed like it was just the way it ought to be. But as I started to fall asleep, I began to hear rustling and banging in the room next to mine. All night, the noise continued. And just about the time I would fall asleep, the restlessness, the tossing, the turning in the next room would begin again. And so I was up all night long. The next morning... Tired and irritated because of the person keeping me up all night, I walked outside my room and waited at the front door of the room next to mine, 
just to see who it was. Finally, the door opened and I walked out and there was God. And God said, I am so sorry. I must have kept you up all night. Seeing that it was God, I said, oh, no, 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 don't worry about that. But I'm curious, is everything okay? And God says, no, everything's not okay. My people are hungry. My people are thirsty. My people are suffering. And worst of all, my people are still fighting over everything. I'm just so unsettled. And I can't bring myself to sleep because things just aren't the way I intended them to be. And I said, well, knowing you can't sleep, now I'm not going to be able to sleep either. And God says, yeah, that's right. Imagine the possibilities, Chapel Roswell, if we began to have the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, and we help provide the daily bread for all. Amen. Pray with me. Gracious and holy Lord, you are the bread of life. And you have given us food and you have given us hope and breath. And now we turn and give hope and breath right back to your people. But if there are times this week where we have faltered, forgive us. And put us now in paths this week where we have new opportunities to see you and respond to your people. Put a new and right spirit within us. And draw us together to a common faith despite our differences. And lead us to a new depth of trust beyond our understanding. And surprise us with all the amazing creations around us. And be with those, Lord, who we name to you in our minds. Let the Spirit speak to you if we don't know the words to share. Or just let our minds create an image so that you may help us work through them. Be with any, Lord, who are hungry or thirsty or who are in a very vulnerable situation in any way. Be, too, with those who are in moments of grief and moments of worry or just moments of uncertainty. And be with the many, Lord, who are enjoying new stages of life be in every celebration, be in every anniversary, be in every moment of family. And after today, Lord, may we take this time of worship and baptism and communion and be renewed so we may scatter into the world as your people, ready only to gather again with a new sense of passion and excitement. Lord, take all that we offer be in our mind and be in our hearts, Lord, and make it all good. Amen.